Mark 1 verse 35 says, Now in the morning, having risen a long while before daylight, he, that's Jesus, went out and departed to a solitary place, and there he prayed. And Simon and those who were with him searched for him. And when they found him, they said to him, Everyone is looking for you. But he said to them, Let us go into the next towns, that I may preach there also, because for this purpose I have come forth. And he was preaching in their synagogues throughout all Galilee and casting out demons. And Father, we humbly pause to just ask, as always, for just the help of your Holy Spirit, that in a supernatural way, you would work in each and every one of us this morning, heart, soul, mind, and spirit, Lord, that we would be able to be sensitive to hear what the voice of the living God would want to say to us through this portion of your word. Lord, every intent behind the reason that you inspired it and wrote it, may we experience that in the present tense for this hour this morning as we sit under the authority of your word as a part of our worship. So speak to us, Lord, bless your word, and teach us by your spirit, we ask in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen, amen. You may be seated. You know, if there is one thing that marks our current age today, certainly I think it's fair to say is that we live in an age of connection. An age of connection probably like no other generation ever has before. And perhaps, I don't know, I'm starting to think that it's very likely that we may quite honestly now even be a little overly connected to other people. You know, I wonder in some ways as we think about the incredible connection we have today with our phones, our smartphones, social media and all that's done with Facebook and Twitter and uh, the different types of things like that, Instagram and all these ways that we connect and communicate uh, with our friends and distant relationships and people on other states and other sides of the world. I wonder in some ways, quite honestly, are we really supposed to be that connected there's a part of me that truly does wonder when we see the amount of time that's invested and almost the addiction of you know it's like people get the shakes if they can't touch their phone you know within a certain amount of time and how connected we have become as a people i can't help but to wonder though it is an age of connection could it be possible maybe we're actually a little overly connected to one another in a way beyond which we even should and yet in the same way we're not perhaps connected enough to god and then i can't help but to wonder if maybe perhaps it's our over connection to people that is one of the reasons for our disconnection in many ways with god that it's not the over connection that we have with others that are human that keeps us from the connection maybe we should be experiencing with god and lacking proper connection with god relationally well today i hope that the holy spirit can challenge and stir our hearts toward deeper connection with god And that as we look at this passage we read together this morning, that God can use it to guide and to instruct us into relation uh, to the importance of spending time alone with God and enjoying the connection, the deep connection we're supposed to have with God. 1 John 2, verse 6 makes this statement regarding Jesus. Listen to it. It says, He who says he abides in Jesus 
ought himself also to walk just as he walked. Another translation renders that same verse in 1 John. He who claims to live in him, that's Jesus, must walk as Jesus did in the same manner as him. Look, truly Jesus is God and he deserves to be worshipped as God. Yet in the same way, in taking on human flesh and living among us as a man on this earth, Jesus perfectly modeled for us how to live as a man. It's often been said before, Jesus should be worshipped as God and yet followed as a man. Because he set for us the perfect example of how God has intended for us as a human being to live and particularly in regards to what it means as a human being to have relationship with God, to have fellowship with God. That statement we read, he who says he abides in Jesus ought to walk just as he walked, indicates that as we have fellowship and relationship with Jesus on an ongoing basis and as a Christian, when we become born again and the Spirit of God, the Spirit of Christ enters in us, Paul says, it's no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. That as we have fellowship with Jesus and as the Spirit of Christ is at work within us, that will and that should cause us to imitate the lifestyle of Christ to ever-increasing degrees. That I'm actually called, you are called as a Christian to live in the same manner as Jesus once walked as a man. And Christ ruling within me should direct me to live and walk in greater degrees in the same way that Jesus lived. In the same way that Jesus walked in his lifestyle and his way of life. And that's something that I should seek to be yielded to and submitted to happening in me. And it's also a way that we can even evaluate sometimes our spiritual maturity. Now there are certainly a lot of different areas and aspects we could evaluate of Jesus' life in the flesh. But this morning I want to consider one in particular from our text. And that is this, is that we see in the Bible, and the Gospels, that Jesus routinely and consistently withdrew from others in order to spend time alone with the Father in heaven. He chose to detach from everyday affairs. He chose to draw back from everyday duties and responsibilities to have quiet times alone with the Father in heaven. This was the model of Jesus. Here we see Jesus in our text this morning spending quiet time all alone with the Father in heaven and we see that the source and foundation really of all that Jesus did in his earthly life when he walked here among us during the time he was as a man, everything that pertained to his human life, his power, his authority, the, the, this ability to be in tune with the will of God and to walk out the Father's will, it all stemmed from his daily and his routine, consistent meeting together with the Father alone, being in touch with the Father in heaven. And what a great, therefore, example and pattern it becomes for us who are Christ followers who should walk as he walks, showing us that we all need to spend time alone with God, even as we see Jesus setting this great example among humanity in this text. The background of our story we're looking at this morning is this. Jesus' fame at this point is spreading 
and his lifestyle and his schedule is very full at this point in time. The prior day to what we're reading about this morning had been a very busy day for Jesus ministering in Capernaum. If you just peek back to verse 32, look what it says. It says that at evening, the end of a day, when the sun had set, they brought to Jesus all who were sick and who were demon-possessed. Look at this, verse 33. You think you have a busy day. And the whole city was gathered at the door. The idea is for ministry from Jesus. And then he healed many who were sick with various diseases and cast out many demons. So uh, the idea here is the picture of Jesus having a very, very busy day. He's up until the late hours of the night as the whole city is assembled at the door of this house for receiving his ministry and him meeting people's needs. So he's been up to the late hours of the night ministering to exhaustion. And it's at that point we then read, look, verse 35, now in the morning. So the next day rolls around. Now in the morning, having risen a long while before daylight, Jesus went out, notice, and departed to a solitary place and there he prayed. Now, as we look at this this morning in regards to this aspect or characteristic of spending time alone with God, the first point I want to draw to your attention here, if you're a note taker mentally or by pen and paper there, is this, is that a part of spending time alone with God, first of all, is a matter of exercising devotion. It's a matter of exercising devotion. Do you see what the text says there? Verse 35 says, Jesus went out. He departed to a solitary place and there he prayed to his father. We see Jesus exercising devotion towards his father while on earth as a man. Question, what exactly is devotion? When we use the word devotion, we use it in Christian circles. Well, when you look up the definition, devotion is defined as a passionate attachment or affection to a person or a cause. A passionate attachment or affection toward a person or a cause. The word speaks of dedication and commitment via a relationship to someone or to something. Two synonyms for the word devotion are attachment and affection. And both of those two things, attachment and affection, were clearly a part of Jesus' life and his relationship towards the Father in heaven. First of all, Jesus definitely had a relational attachment to the Heavenly Father. He had a relational attachment to the Father. Jesus, during the time of his humanity, never became independent of his relationship and his attachment closely to the Father in heaven. He always remained in constant connection to the Father, unbroken fellowship. He even lived, the Bible's very clear, in total reliance upon his Father for everything. Everything that he said, he was fully dependent, everything that he did upon the Father. Let me read you the words of Jesus himself in regards to that. John 5, Jesus was speaking to the Jews regarding his connection to the Father. Listen to the words of Jesus. Pretty quite staggering. He says, most assuredly, I say to you, the Son can do nothing of himself, but only what he sees the Father do. For whatever he does, that's the Father, Jesus said, the Son does also in like matter. In other words, Jesus was declaring, I can only do those things that the Father shows me to do. And I can only say those things that the Father says to me first and enables me to speak and to perform. Later on, Jesus made these statements. 
He said, For as the Father has life in himself, he's granted the Son to have life in himself, and has given him authority to execute judgment also, because he's the Son of Man. Jesus said, I can of myself do nothing. As I hear, I judge. And my judgment is righteous because I do not seek my own will, but the will of the Father who sent me. So, I mean, talk about amazing insight and reality into the humanity and the life of Jesus as he lived as a man during his time upon earth and how totally dependent he was upon the Father, his attachment to the Father. Think of that. Jesus saying, I can do nothing of myself. Wow. I can do nothing of myself. I can only speak what the Father speaks. I can only do what the Father shows me. I can only fulfill those things the Father directs me to do. He was completely attached in devotion to his Father. But not only attached to the Father, he also exercised affection for his Father, which is another term that is sort of a synonym for exercising devotion. Now, Jesus expressed constantly his love and his submission to his heavenly Father and his great desire as a man during his time in the flesh to please the Father out of love for him. Listen to Jesus' words, John 6, 38. He said, I have come down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. And then in John 8, Jesus said, I do nothing of myself, but as my father has taught me, I speak these things. And he who sent me is with me. The father has not left me alone. And then this classic statement Jesus made, I always do those things that please him. That's powerful. How I wish I could say that about my relationship with God. I always do those things that please him. But that was the desire of Jesus. The primary component of his relationship with his father was incredible love and affection for his father that made him want to please the father in that way. Well, here we see in our text the way that Jesus exercised devotion. The way that Jesus exercised his devotion practically, that attachment and affection, was through the means, verse 35 says, of finding a solitary place and spending time in prayer through finding a solitary place. Mark gives us this little glimpse into the lifestyle of Jesus of him getting alone with a daily time of private devotion with his father. It says there, verse 35, he departed to a solitary place. The term that's used there in the original language speaks of a remote or an uninhabited area. The idea is Jesus purposely went and found somewhere where nobody else was. The idea is he went and got alone. He got away from other people and other things and purposely and circumstantially separated himself from other people and everyday activity for a time period. And then getting alone, it says, then he prayed, which is a word that just speaks of communication, dialogue. He spoke to the Father. He let the Father speak to him. He was fellowshipping with the Father. And that was how he spent time alone. Jesus saw the need to take time to get away from others and to be alone for a period of time in the course of his day. To detach from the everyday duties and responsibilities, to depart for some portion of his day from the agenda and all its responsibilities and commitments and needs and busy affairs to purposely find a place of solitude, to purposely find a place of privacy alone where he could have quality and quiet time with his father. And in fact, we know this was the pattern regularly of Jesus during his earthly life as a man. 
Listen to other texts about the same thing. Luke 5.16 says of Jesus, he himself often withdrew into the wilderness and prayed. Matthew 14.23 says that when Jesus had sent the multitudes away, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. And when evening came, he was alone there. We read as well in Luke 6.12. Now it came to pass in those days that he went out to the mountain to pray and continued all night in prayer to God. So again, in these times, no doubt Jesus was facilitating and he was fostering a greater devotion and attachment to his father, experiencing refreshment and renewal spiritually and physically and mentally in every way. And also he was expressing his affection for the father, reaffirming his love reaffirming his loyalty and his desire to want to submit to the will of the Father and obey the Father. And through Jesus' human example, we see the importance of investing in an ongoing relationship with God. Jesus shows us this by having a time of personal and private devotion with the Father. And therefore, I believe, quite honestly, it is a biblical thing and a biblical statement to say we should have a devotional time i believe it's biblical because we see jesus with that very lifestyle and pattern set before us and let me just say this it should go without saying if jesus in his humanity chose to spend time alone with the father in heaven in his presence to be renewed and refreshed and he saw the necessity of it how much more you and i as weak and frail human beings in fact I'll tell you this, I think the longer that we walk with the Lord, once you come into a relationship with Jesus, I think we can subtly begin to overlook this area a little bit because there can be this tendency where we start to think we're kind of strong enough spiritually. We have a, a good understanding of lots of different scriptures maybe and we, we kind of think we're, we're experienced now as Christians. You know, we've been walking with the Lord for a while. We could regurgitate Bible verses pretty well and we're pretty familiar with the things of God and all of a sudden, subtly, we think we can kind of go through periods of life spiritually where we tend to get a little lazy and slothful and tend to think we've just logged in enough spiritual road experience because we've been a Christian for 20 years. And we've logged so much spiritual road experience, we could certainly just sort of coast our way along for a time period. And we could just ride off the fumes of the scriptures we know and the past experiences we have with God and we never sort of stop and slow down or we spend the time or cost to refuel spiritually and all of a sudden, it catches up with us. And we find that we stall out spiritually. Or we break down altogether spiritually. And what's happened? We failed to spend quality and quiet time alone in the presence of God. Maybe like we once did because we sensed the need at another time in our life and we haven't been renewed and refreshed and in a sense filled afresh with the Spirit of God in a unique way that we need each and every hour and day of our lives. And Jesus' example teaches us of our own tremendous need to have a devoted life and to express devotion by spending time alone with God, making sure we stay attached to the Lord, making sure that we render affection to the Lord and stay reliant and seek to foster a deeper, more intimate relationship that continues onward down the road. 
you know, my wife and I, we've been married over 20 years now, and, and each time we've had one of our, you know, more major anniversary years, our 10-year anniversary, our 15-year anniversary, our 20-year anniversary, we purposely took trips away, extended trips away during those particular anniversaries. And let me just say this, from my perspective, it really wasn't per se about celebrating, wow, we've made it 10 years. Wow, we've made it 20 years. Let's spend money and celebrate. That wasn't my perspective because I don't like to spend money. <laughs> this is the way I looked at it. I want to invest because I want five more years together. I didn't look at it as a celebration. I looked at it as the importance of investment. Man, we've logged 20 years of road mileage with a lot of wear and tear and the world beating you up and sticking together and making it work. And you know what? I'm not going to trust that the past 20 years is enough to keep us going for five more. I understand the importance of investing. And you can't make withdrawals if you don't make deposits. And those times when we went away together, was it a sacrifice? Yes, but, but it was times to be alone, to foster relationship to, in a sense, facilitate devotion and affection and to deepen our bonds and to do what we can to, you know, in a sense, deepen our attachment and dedication to one another and to express affection to one another. And those are important things that became a valuable thing for us. And I'll tell you, they are some of the most greatest investments we've ever made. The greatest investments we've ever made, making deposits, not to mention how I thoroughly enjoy time alone with her. Now look, if that's true between a husband and a wife in a human relationship, how much more true is that spiritually? The same thing. Look, you can't make withdrawals out of your spiritual bank if you never make deposits. It's an investment thing. It's a relationship. This isn't religion. This is one of the clearest indications it's not religion. Religion is you go punch your spiritual time card on Sunday, you show up at the major holidays, you know, you know the right things to say and do when somebody brings up the subject of religion. That's religion. This is relationship. And relationship has to be fostered and invested in. And, and that's why we need spiritually to have ongoing relationship with God the Father and Jesus our Lord to have daily opportunity to be alone to express devotion towards Him. And the way that we do that is like Jesus here, finding a solitary place. Just disconnecting, if you would, from other people and other things so that you can connect with God. And you need, I need to disconnect from other things and disconnect from other people, whether it's for 15 minutes, 20 minutes, 30 minutes, an hour, to disconnect from other people and other things to really connect with God. And to have time to just be alone in His presence, to take some time to pray and to read His Word and let Him speak to your heart. And as you do that, refreshment and renewal comes spiritually. Isaiah 40 says, Even youths grow tired and weary, young men stumble and fall, but those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. That spiritual renewal. Maybe this morning you are here and you're a bit frazzled and worn out with life's experience and drained. Maybe you're here this morning and you've lost sense of just the love of God and the peace of God that you once knew in your life and it's not like that now anymore. Maybe you're here this morning and you feel sort of weak and powerless spiritually. You're kind of somewhat anemic in your relationship with the Lord. Maybe the reality is, is that you've lost sense of the presence of the Lord 
and you're just going through the motions of Christianity from what you've learned in the momentum of all these years of being a Christian, or maybe you're here and you have no real sense of direction and you're kind of floundering around in your life, could I suggest, honestly, just evaluating, especially as you start a new year, time alone with God? What it's been like? Have there been changes and maybe does there need to be in a change in the year ahead? Jude exhorts us to keep ourselves in the love of God. Keep yourself in that place where you're showing love for God, experiencing God's love. Psalm 105 says, seek the Lord and his strength. Seek his face evermore. And the simplest way to do that is by personal devotion, the example of our leader of the faith, our Lord Jesus and his humanity here, who departed to that solitary place. Find that place, that alone time to be in the presence of God, free from others, free from distractions, and have fellowship with him. Pray. Talk to God what's on your heart. Read his word. Let him speak to you and deepen that fellowship by exercising devotion. The second thing here we see regarding spending time alone with God, again, if you're taking notes, is another important thing is that we need to employ some discipline. We need to employ some discipline. Very practical. Again, I draw this from what we see in verse 35 as well because notice when did Jesus go exercise devotion? Verse 35, it says, Now in the morning, having risen a long while before daylight. Notice when did Jesus make that investment? Keep in mind, what was the day before we said? It was very busy. It was a very taxing day with lots of activity and ministry. The workload was immense. And if there was ever a time, let's be very human here, if there was ever a time anybody deserved to sleep in a little extra and to recoup a little, this would be the day. This would be the day when probably Peter said, you know what, Jesus, don't even set the alarm in the morning. I mean, just that was, that was a day. I mean, tomorrow, just we need to take a few extra hours to just... Ca- but that was not the case with Jesus. Notice he gets up and he keeps his daily appointment with his Father in heaven. It says, in the morning, having risen a long while before daylight, he went out, departed from the rest, found a solitary place, and there he prayed. So catch the scene. It's early a.m., not much life activity started yet. That's usually when it's the quietest, right? All the day's affairs haven't got stirring yet. The rest of the world is still going quiet. The daily demands haven't began yet. And Jesus here intentionally intentionally wakes up before the others. And I can just see him here. He sort of tiptoes past the disciples here, trying to get away from them and slips by and goes out to a solitary place. And he just spends some time alone with his father. Now, from a humanity standpoint, that probably wasn't the most convenient time, as I said. But even if he was perhaps bone-tired, he's still employed, you can't miss it, personal discipline. There was an aspect of dedication here and discipline that he felt the need to employ discipline to take time to be alone with his Father in heaven and to exercise that devotion. The point, simply, Jesus with a much busier schedule than me, a much larger and fuller schedule than all of you, greater demands and responsibilities shows us, as our example, the necessary way. And the necessary way is to exercise consistent discipline in order to spend time alone with the Father. It's a must. That's why he got up early. Not just because it's spiritual to get up early. 
And some people think that. Oh, you're so spiritual. You get up at 3 a.m. Wow, you're so spiritual. That's not what's spiritual. Do you get up at 3 a.m. and spend two hours at the gym? Or do you get up at 3 a.m. and spend two hours with Jesus? I don't know. You know I mean, what, what's spiritual? The point is the discipline aspect is that he found the time when he had to discipline and determine, I, I, this is, I got to build this in. I got to get away from everybody. And it was the discipline that Jesus employed here is why he gets up early to find that necessary time because it's all the value of the investment and the importance of it. In the morning before daylight, when it was the best time for him, life was calm, things weren't stirring, he gets alone with the Father. And what transpired during those times alone with God? Well, listen to Isaiah 50. It gives us maybe some insight, a prophecy of Jesus' life. This is what it tells us. The Lord God has given me the tongue of the learned that I should know how to speak a word in season to him who is weary. Listen, he awakens me morning by morning. He awakens my ear to hear as learned. The Lord God has opened my ear and I was not rebellious, nor did I turn away. I gave my back to those who struck me and my cheeks to those who plucked out the beard. I did not hide my face from shame and spitting for the Lord God will help me. Therefore, I will not be disgraced. Therefore, I have set my face like a flint. The idea is determined. And I know that I will not be ashamed. Notice, Jesus, that prophecy to him, says, the Father awakens me morning by morning. And then Jesus describes Isaiah 50, verse 4 to 7, that as a result of that time, that he got a timely word from the Father to maybe share with somebody in a timely hour in their life to encourage them. He says in that time, it was the Father gave to me a sense of sensitivity spiritually. There was a sense of obedience that stirred in his heart. I want to obey the Father's will today. And I'm going to determine, I'm going to set my face like a determined stone to obey the will of the Father. Though it may be hard and people may beat me and torture me, there was that determination and faithfulness that came into Jesus' life, that endurance and submission. And those things, it seemed, came out of that time in the morning when he would sit alone with the Father and his daily discipline of devoting quiet alone time, it seems was essential to his earthly life. And let me just say for us by way of application, employing a measure of spiritual discipline, please hear me, is one of the most vital keys to a healthy spiritual relationship. It is. It is critical. Jesus said of discipleship in Luke 9, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself Take up his cross daily and follow me. Paul, the great apostle, the spiritual giant in the scriptures. Paul said of his own life, I discipline my body and I bring it into subjection or submission. That is, Paul says, I have to take this body and make it submit to my spirit. I don't let my body rule me. My spirit, the uppermost part of me, says, look, this body will be ruled and will submit to what is right spiritually. Paul said to Timothy, 1 Timothy 4, 7, an older man encouraging a younger man in the faith. He said this, exercise yourself toward godliness. Bodily exercise profits a little, the Bible says, but godliness is profitable for all things, the life that now is and the life that is to come. But he uses this analogy of exercising yourself toward godliness. Look, this is the new year. What's one of the primary resolutions everyone makes in the new year? Oh, I've got to exercise. i got to get rid of the spare tire and the fat and I eat too much. When everybody gets gym memberships and we all start to exercise. But the whole concept, listen, with exercise and spiritual health, there's a measure of what? 
discipline. You have to choose whether you feel like it or not. To go to the gym, to pick up the dumbbells, to put on the running sneakers, to take 15 minutes, to take a... It's a discipline. And without exercising the discipline, there's no progress. There's no development. And the Bible says, exercise yourself toward godliness. What's God saying? You got to put in some spiritual time in the gym, son. In the same way you put time in the gym for physical training to stay healthy and get stronger physically... He's saying there needs to be some time in the spiritual gym. It is an aspect of discipline. Yes, it's relational, but it also is very functional and practical. And so we exercise ourselves towards greater godliness. In this year ahead, can I say, exercise yourself towards godliness. And we're a health-crazed culture. Well, I mean, we have people who spend hour a day, two hours a day, five days a week in a gym. And they won't even spend ten minutes a day reading their Bible or praying. Is that really you know, equatable to what God would want? What if you spent as much intention on your spiritual health as we did on our physical health? Then we'd have Arnold Schwarzeneggers in the things of God, wouldn't we? And people would be spiritual giants. And, and the Bible says, look, this is valuable. There is a measure of discipline. Jesus showed it by getting up that morning and doing that. And let me just say, I do think there is something wonderful and beneficial about having a private devotional time with God in the morning. Before the whole day begins. Before the whole day, it's the pattern of Jesus. It was pattern of men of God in Scripture. Psalm 5.3 says, My voice you shall hear in the morning, O Lord. In the morning I will direct it to you and look up. Psalm 63, the psalmist says, O God, you are my God. Early will I seek you. And not just was it the pattern of Jesus and men of God in Scripture, but it's practically wise because guess what? It's just less distractions. There's just less distraction, the demands of the day, your work and emails and texts and phone calls and, you know, and responsibilities in the household and children. It, you know, all those things don't begin and it just sort of, when you do it in the morning, it just, I find my life, it sort of just sets the tone for the day. I'm a little more spiritually minded and a little less carnal and fleshly than I already am naturally by beginning that day with... Now, let me say this before a person gets upset. We're not under the law. I'm not saying it's more spiritual to have a devotional time in the morning. I think, quite honestly, you need to find out what works for your lifestyle and be flexible. Sometimes people are night people. If you're a night person, God bless you. You'll spend more time confessing sin at night than you will first thing in the morning. But you need to find what works for you. That's all. I would rather somebody find the time. That, look, and maybe that's not the same time every day. Again, this is relational. I think we need to be flexible. The Bible says, James 3, that wisdom from above is willing to yield. Don't get weird and legalistic too. Oh, I didn't have my devotions in the morning. Oh, I didn't have my devotions in the morning. So have my lunch. Have my lunch. Get away after work. Find a, a time for a half hour to go sit alone when you get home at 8 o'clock at night. It's not an issue of you know, discipline needs to be regimented and regulated and legalistic about the whole thing. But I will say this. No matter what, you're going to have to employ a measure of discipline to take the time. Whether it is to get started again. And for some of you this morning, that's what this means that you need to get started spending time with God again this year. For some of you this morning, it means keep going. 
For some, maybe it's get back on course. But remember, Jesus did it with his schedule. He did it with his schedule. So certainly we are able to do the same. Decide to be disciplined in this area of importance and watch how it benefits your spiritual health. Thirdly, we notice in our text, verse 36 and 37, that we also need to realize a part of spending time alone with God, watch what happens with Jesus, is we need to anticipate and expect distractions. Anticipate and expect distractions. Look what happens. Jesus is off, alone, quiet place. He's got away. He's praying. And what happens? Old Simon and those who were with him, they come searching for him. And when they find him alone praying, they said to him, Jesus, everybody's looking for you. The crowds are back from the day before. So here's what happened. They wake up in the morning. They realize, where's Jesus? Oh, man, look at the crowd already out there. Where's Jesus? I don't know. We should find him. So it says they went and searched for him. That Greek term, literally interesting, it's a term that means to track down and hunt. Like you'd hunt an animal. They went hunting for Jesus because the crowds are waiting. They can't find him. And when they do find him, wouldn't you know the time when they're hunting him down and tracking him down, they need him for something. It's right when he's what? Having time alone with God. Couldn't you imagine? Lo and behold. But isn't that so often what happens in our lives, if we want to be very honest? The way this kind of thing unfolds, the way it works. Now, I remember when the kids were really little, you know, when they were you know, infant stage, toddler age. And, and I found this weird discovery that the loudest noise you could possibly make first thing in the morning was turning a Bible page. You could get up, clang pots and pants, you know, I mean, I could do all kinds of stuff, but if you went, and then the kids would wake up. Look, what is up with that? How does that happen? The loudest noise is turning a Bible page. But isn't that kind of what happens? Why? Because the devil doesn't want you to spend time alone with God. You don't think he's going to subtly orchestrate distractions? Isn't that where you sit down to pray and you look across the room and you go, oh, that knickknack's in the wrong place. <laughs> when we put back the Christmas decorations, how could he forget that that's not supposed to be on that shelf? Where it's actually, it's turned a quarter. And then what, you get up and you got to adjust the knickknack and then you, you trip over a toy and you go, ah, oh, these stinking kids. And you throw out, oh, look at her whole room's a mess. And then all of a sudden you're changing the room and you're mopping the floor. And then all of a sudden, three hours later, well, I, what was I doing? I, you just, you totally freak. But see, this is what happens. Not to mention, look, life's just busy. It's crazy. And therefore, there's always going to be things pooling on us, and it's hard to disconnect. And take notice, even good things can be distracting. It doesn't have to be something bad. Look what they came to Jesus. They just wanted him to go minister to people. This wasn't a bad thing. He wasn't distracted because he was watching movies he shouldn't watch on TV or something. It was, it was for ministry. These were good, healthy, everyday things. It was just life responsibilities, helping people. But we need to remember, even good things can be distractions to time alone with God. Even these things could be interruptions. Read the story of Martha and Mary in Luke chapter 10, how Martha gets distracted with much serving instead of sitting at the feet of Jesus. She gets irritable. She chides Jesus, tell my sister to help me. She's not doing the work. She's sitting at your feet. And Jesus says, Mary has chosen the better thing. But do you hear the word? She chose it. When distraction came, she chose not to give in to the distraction and she chose instead the better thing. And we have to do that. We have to understand, look, distractions are going to come, interruptions, they're going to demand your attention, but when they come, 
make the good choice, which is Matthew 6.33, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and then all the other things will be added unto you as a result of that by just putting the Lord first, even when distractions come. Fourthly and finally, notice as well in verse 38 and 39, one other part of spending time alone with God. And here's a benefit, one of many benefits, but we see it in Jesus' life here manifested, is that we will end up with direction. A benefit of spending time alone with God is you and I will end up with direction. Notice it says there, they come to Jesus, everyone's looking for you. We need you, this, that. But Jesus answers, let us go into the next towns that I may preach there also, because for this purpose I've come forth. And he was preaching in the synagogues throughout all Galilee and casting out demons. So notice, they come to Jesus with what seems like Really great news. Crowds are growing. Jesus, people need you. And he actually, what does he do there? Verse 30, he rejects their idea and refuses their request. He does not go back. They want him to go back to Capernaum. And Jesus turns down there in verse 38 what really looks like a good opportunity. It looks like a, a right thing to do. It appears like an advancement for Christianity. And Jesus instead, verse 38, says, No, let us go to the next towns that I may preach there also because that's the purpose for which I came. Please note it was because Jesus had spent time alone with the Father that Jesus knew exactly where he was to be and what he was supposed to be doing according to the will of God for his life. And it was in direct correlation to spending that time in solitary place alone in the presence of his father he knew where the father was leading him they wanted him to stay there in Capernaum and keep ministering to the crowds but Jesus said no let us go into the next towns that I may preach there also that word towns Jesus used there only time it shows up in the New Testament and it's actually a term that speaks of a remote country or unwalled village the idea is it speaks of a very rural remote area so here's what jesus is saying they say come back to busy capernaum man it's a it's a busy place lots of ministry all kinds of opportunities that and, and jesus says you know what no it's time to leave that it's time to leave that i sense the father now wants us to go and minister in a remote area where there are a few souls that need ministry and so that i can and jesus sensed this because he had spent time with the father he knew where he was supposed to be it may not have looked logical, but he knew where he was supposed to be. Jesus also knew what the will of God was for him, what he should be doing. They wanted him to come back to Capernaum. Why? Because he had been healing sick people, casting out demons. But Jesus says, no, let's go to these remote areas that I may preach there also for this purpose I've come forth. In other words, Jesus knew his primary role and purpose was to preach salvation. And to teach the word of God. Because people being healed from physical sickness would give temporary relief, but being healed from sin would give eternal relief. It would bring salvation to their souls. And that's what Jesus cares about most. If you're here this morning and you don't know Jesus Christ, I tell you this, he's not per se concerned foremost about fixing all the problems in your life and making you feel better. What he cares about is that you enter into a relationship with him that you have your sins forgiven and that you have the hope of eternal life 
and that you hear his offer of salvation that's the free gift of eternal life through him and that you choose to believe your sinfulness and to trust that he is the savior for yourself and to say, Jesus, save me. Not save me from my problems and fix everything, but save me from my sinfulness. Enter my life. Give me the gift of eternal life. And Jesus here, despite his his disciples pressing him, and Luke 4 tells us the whole crowd that was with them was pressing as well. So here's all these many voices, great influences trying to persuade Jesus. Come here, do this, do that, take care of that. But because, I say it again, he spent time alone with the Father and he got his marching orders from his Father in heaven, Jesus therefore had clear direction where he was to be, what he was supposed to do, and he was able to stay focused on that and not be misled by the requests and the ideas of others. Now that's not to say, please hear me, that sometimes interruptions aren't part of the plan of God. Because we see in the Bible, often Jesus took time for brief interruptions when people came to him, but he sensed that that was God ordaining those interruptions, and so at times he would stop for that. In this situation, he's staying focused on accomplishing the plan the Father gave him rather than running around and just meeting all the obvious needs that exist every day, all day. And he wasn't just pulled in every direction because he spent time alone with the Father. He received direction. He stood in the right direction and on task and focused on what the will of the Father was. Jesus said, John 4, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. And as we spend time alone with the Lord, I tell you this, ladies and gentlemen, one of the beautiful results is we'll end up with direction. Isn't that quite honestly, I guarantee this morning, what so many of us are often after anyway? I need direction for my life. What do I do in regards to my job and my family and this situation and how to spend my money in this year ahead and, and what's God's plan for my life? And we desire guidance daily for God's will as well as the next week and season ahead in our life. And one of the benefits of time alone with God is he'll give us his marching orders for the day. Maybe for the next season of our life, we receive that benefit. We know where we're supposed to be and we know what we're supposed to be doing more clearly. And just like Jesus, there are always going to be people who are going to be coming to us, giving us ideas, maybe well-intentioned, making suggestions of what we should be doing, where we should be going, what we should be taking care of that day or for the whole next season of our life. Hey, get involved in this. I could really see you doing that. You need to fix this. Did you know those people need that? And how could you? And people are going to have ideas. And some of those may be of God. And if we have not spent time, however, with the Lord, the tendency is we will not know his direction and we'll be pulled in a thousand different directions, which will contribute to the being frazzled and to being all frustrated and confused and and maybe we'll be meeting all the wants of man and everybody will love you at work. But maybe you're not fulfilling the will of God. And Jesus wants to give us direction as well as he received direction as we spend time alone in the presence of God. And unlike Jesus, this is one thing that's not like Jesus, we have a sinful flesh And the complicated thing is this. My sinful flesh, every day I wake up, wants to dictate to me what to do. It wants to give me direction, how to gratify my flesh. 
But the important thing is if we spend time alone with the Lord and we make spiritual deposits into our life, the benefit of that as well is that we will then more than likely be walking in the Spirit and not fulfilling the lust of the flesh that day, though it's dictating what it wants us to do. And as we make spiritual investment through time alone with God, we'll be more likely to understand what the will of the Lord is rather than getting off track and getting outside of the will of God and involved in things and situations and relationships and circumstances and courses that are not God's will for our life. Hey, this morning, as we start a new year, I want to challenge us to encourage you. May we make time alone with God. Number one priority. May we truly seek to do that. Make a commitment today. I'm not calling you to come forward. But make a commitment today, like you'd make a commitment to something else, to say, Lord, I need to schedule this. I need to invest in this. I need to make my spiritual health a priority. And perhaps, what if for starters, look, don't make commitments you can't keep. What if for starters, it's just saying something like, I can spend 15 minutes less a day on this. I can spend 15 minutes less a day on Facebook, Instagram, posting selfies. I can spend 15 minutes less a day seeing what's on your Twitter thing or whatever, you know, all those kind of things. Well, I, can, I can do that. I can spend 15 minutes less a day in front of the TV or on the computer or doing my hobby or going to the gym. I don't know. But what might happen if we did that? And the momentum of time alone with God began to take course in our lives. Shall we stand together? Let's pray.